Life happens at the table. Man, it's so good to see you, bro. Like, I, I don't know, how, how long has it been? I was trying to think just the other day, like, oh, man, doing the math. You think so? I mean, I thought it was like, you know, maybe a year and a half, maybe two, four years? Oh, bro, well, how, tell me, tell me, how's life going? How's the wife? The kids? Oh, uh, yeah, no, 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 we're, uh, we're fine here. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll go ahead and order. We've, uh, we've been here before. Like, uh, go ahead, man, go ahead. Oh, yeah, that sounds pretty good. Uh, you know what, I'm, I'm going to have the same thing uh, with a, a side salad, uh, no dressing. I'm kind of weird like that. And uh, yeah, yeah, no, I'll just, I'm fine with water. Uh, thank you. So, uh, yeah, man, it's just so good to catch up with you and, and hear about your life. Life happens at the table. Well, thank you so much for seeing me today. Uh, I, uh, I called uh, because I saw the job posting on linemonster.com, and I feel like I am so fit for this job. I'm so... Pa- oh, yeah, um, sorry. Yeah, here's my, uh, my resume. It may be lacking in a number of areas, but, uh, you know, I, I did work for a number of years at a church with an ex-con. Uh, he also uh, worked at Medieval Times. I don't know how that's relevant to this job interview, but uh, thank you so... Oh, my, uh, my job experience? Well, uh, you know, I have the experience that's like, you know, like job, on the job, where you, you know, you're working. And yeah, that kind of hands-on-sy type of, exp- oh, my, uh, my weaknesses. Well, um, let me think about that. What are my greatest weaknesses? Well, um, okay, I, I care too much, I work too hard, and I invest too much in my job. Life happens at the table. Life happens at the table. Mm. Mamma mia! Hey, Jimmy, I got a job for you. You know what, Mickey Angelo down at the docks? The payment's been a little light lately. Uh, (laughs) Want you to take care of him, huh? Whack him, yeah. Toss the body in the river, swimming with the fishes. Take care of him, huh? Life happens at the table. Life happens at the table. Oh, uh, hey, hey, Joe. Uh, thanks for, uh, for meeting me here. As you know, uh, 
Your daughter and I have been dating for quite a while now. And uh, I uh, just figured that um, since we've been dating so long, <clears throat> that maybe I could get your blessing and your permission to uh, marry your daughter. You know, I love her so much. And, uh, you know, I can provide for her in a, a spiritual way, in an emotional way, in a mental way, a physical. I mean, uh, mm, that's a little awkward because you're her dad and she's your daughter. Well, I guess that's how it works, obviously. Life happens at the table. Whether it's job interviews or whether it's, uh, you know, uh, catching up with old friends or a a mafia murder for hire or (laughs) defining the relationship, life happens at the table. But when it comes to the king's table... Well, that's quite a different story. Because a king's table is not the place for me. I have no air of aristocracy. I don't fit in well with the circles of the elite and the sophisticated. I have no mark of monarchy in me. If you were to, you know, you're like, oh, yeah, we'll do a DNA test and figure it out. Like Ancestry.com or 23andMe, I'll spit in that tube. And six to eight weeks later, we'll find out there's no royal drop of blood in me. The king's table is not the place for me. Gold goblets and silver spoons. Butlers and bakers and big words like uh, bourgeois. Like, I don't even know what that means. I think it's French, but king's table is not the place for me. It's a place of power and privilege and reputation and and renown. It's It's a place of wisdom and great wealth. It's not the place for me. But when it comes to this king, when it comes to the one true king, the everlasting king, well that's an entirely different story. Because Jesus is king for all. King for all. Not just king for some, not just king for a few. Jesus is king for all, from A to Z and Z to A, and everyone and anybody in between. Jesus is king for all, and we see it so clearly at the table. Today we begin a brand new sermon series called, you guessed it, King for All. Jesus being King for All, that means Jesus is King for the sinner. King for the murderer, the the enemies, the, the doubters, the deniers, the betrayers. Jesus is King for All and we see it so clearly in the Gospel of Luke especially in the passion narrative of Luke's gospel. That's the the story of the feast and the betrayal and the denial and the trial and the execution and the resurrection. Jesus still is king for all. And so over the next eight weeks, we're going to explore what does that mean that Jesus is king for all for my life? What does it mean for our relationship with God 
and what does it mean for our world. So if you're able to stand today, I want to invite you to stand. We're going to read from our memory verse for this sermon series. It's uh, Luke chapter 4. It's a time when Jesus sat down in the synagogue and read from the scroll of Isaiah. And I think it fits really well with what it all means that he's king for all. This is his resume in a sense. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. For he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released. That the blind will see. That the oppressed will be set free. And that the time of the Lord's favor as they will see it where life happens at the table. The feast of the king. Would you pray with me? Father, I thank you for the opportunity we have to soak in your presence, to be shaped and transformed by who you are and what you've done. I pray, Lord, that as you truly are king for all, that we would come to see it and that you would become king over every single area of our lives. That's what we want. We ask you, Lord, to work in us today. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Today, I, uh, I want to go through the Bible with you. I want to sit at the Passover feast with you. I want to smell the roasted lamb and bitter herbs and spices with you. I want to see the bread torn apart and passed to the disciples with you. I want to hear the sound of sloshing wine in the cup between sentences of Jesus talking about sacrifice and suffering with you. And so I'm going to do something today that might seem altogether backwards. <laughs> I'm going to read through Luke 22, 7 through 30. But you know what? Today it's not going to be on the screen. It's not in your notes. But if you brought a Bible, I'm going to be reading from the NLT translation. So go ahead and turn with me there. If you don't, didn't bring a Bible, maybe you've got a smartphone, you can go ahead and access it. Maybe on the Journey app, it'll have the notes or a, a Bible translation. Maybe you've got version, a different Bible app. Go ahead and pull it up, Luke 22, 7 through 30. If you don't have that, we've got Bibles in the back or, I don't know, up front. Steal one from somebody. But also, if you don't have any of that, maybe you've got Google. Luke 22, 7 30. And you're like, why are we doing this? Why don't you just put it on the screen? Well, there's something powerful about when I actually look at the Bible in my own hands, and then I take like a pen or a highlighter, and I underline and circle and highlight and scribble down notes in the margin, because if Jesus is king for all, then this is noteworthy. This is underline worthy. This is circle worthy. I love it. You just pulled up you version, and you got the audio Bible. That's awesome. But this is scribble in the margin worthy. At least you got it, man. That's awesome. Did I hear amen in there anywhere? Because it's great. 
if we have it on the screen for you, but it's easier and more uh, you know, efficient if you've got it in your hands. So anyways, I think you're there, right? Luke 22, 7 through 30. We'll start with uh, verse 7. It says, Now the, the festival of unleavened bread arrived when the Passover lamb is sacrificed. So think uh, Prince of Egypt, that Mariah Carey song. The people were in slavery in Egypt. And maybe you've seen the the movie or you've read the story before and and you realize that the people are enslaved in Egypt. Pharaoh's got a hard heart and God's trying to work on him. Pharaoh's got a hard heart because he's like, well, I'm not going to let these people go. They're my free labor force. They're my slaves. But God's not happy about that. So he sends Moses and Aaron and Miriam to say, go and let my people go. Pharaoh's heart is hard not going to let go of his free labor force, and so God sends plagues. Well, the tenth and final plague is called Passover. It's an event where the angel of death or the destroyer goes and takes the life of the firstborn, unless the doorposts of the house or dwelling are painted with a sacrificed lamb or goat's blood. They would, you know, slit the throat and dip a hyssop branch in it and paint the doorposts with it, the, the destroyer would come to that house and then pass over and go on to the next. The Passover leads to the exodus, the great freedom. We see split through the sea, the people walk on dry land. God's salvation from the people who were enslaved, the people who were suffering, God saves. And that's what we remember at the event of Passover here at the festival of unleavened bread. Jesus sent Peter and John ahead, go and prepare the Passover meal so we can eat it together. The Jews are fishermen, so they probably know how to cook, hopefully. Well, the specials on the menu tonight include a free-range herb-crusted roasted lamb with a side of mixed wild organic vegetables, nitrate-free fruit paste, to go with a a basket at the table of stone ground yeast-free, stone-fired flatbread, to give you an idea of what they're eating. Where do you want us to prepare it, they asked him. He replied, as soon as you enter Jerusalem, a man carrying a pitcher of water will meet you. And you're like, well, there's probably like a ton of people carrying water. You know, Jerusalem at this time of Passover is swollen with the population. Everyone has come to celebrate the Passover. Well, this is unordinary. This was a woman's job. Because, well, women are buff, you know, and so back then and still today. But a man carrying a pitcher of water would be something easily identifiable. He will meet you. Follow him. At the house he enters, say to the owner, the teacher asks, where is the guest room where I can eat the Passover meal with my disciples? He will take you upstairs to a large room that is already set up, a fully furnished upstairs room. Awesome. That is where you should prepare our meal. They went off to the city and found everything just as Jesus had said, and they prepared the Passover meal there. When the time came, Jesus and the apostles sat down together at 
the table. Man, we have heard this so many times before that Jesus and the disciples, they sat down together at the table. Well, technically, they were reclining. That's what the Greek says, because, you know, in the ancient world, that's how you celebrate mealtime. Today, in our, our world of think outside the bun and have it your way, and I'm loving it. Like, like, you don't go into the BK lounge and then, like, stretch out almost, like, fully extended on your side. Like, that would be weird, right? You're wolfing down a double Whopper fries and Coke. You're going to get kicked out of there, and the cops are going to come because that's, like, indecent exposure. I don't know what, what you would call that. It's just weird, right? Like, some of you are really uncomfortable right now. I'm uncomfortable right now. But what does this communicate? Like, the body language of it. Like, well, this is intimate. This is, I'll put my leg down. That's a little weird. <laughs> I don't know why I have my leg up. Uh, this, this is intimate. This is close. This is open. This is, this is odd, right? But this is how you would eat in the ancient world. Because it communicates something very important about mealtime. Sharing the table means sharing life. Sharing the table means sharing life. And if you backtrack in the Gospel of Luke, who does Jesus share the table with? If you look back, he's sharing the table with sinners and outcasts. Well then, if sharing the table means sharing life, and Jesus is sharing the table with sinners and outcasts, who is Jesus sharing life with? Sinners and outcasts. Why? Well, because Jesus is king for all. And here on this night, reclining at the table, verse 15 says, Jesus said, I have been very eager to eat this Passover meal with you before my suffering begins. I imagine his eyes glassy and moist in the lamplight. But I imagine his voice sounding sure and strong, even as he says the word suffering. Suffering. My suffering. You know, suffering is one of those words that uh, when it gets used in conversation, it completely transforms the context. It's one of those words like divorce or cancer. It changes the whole shape of the conversation, totally transforming it. But sharing the table means sharing life, and sharing life means sharing good days and bad. And that's what we see here at the table, sharing the table, sharing life, sharing good days, and also bad. I remember a couple years ago talking to a, a cop friend of mine. My mom's like, you shouldn't call them cops. Like, you should call them police officers. It's politically correct. Well, uh, okay, this police officer friend of mine, I remember talking to him, and I, I just said, like, your job sucks. Like, I, I could never do your job. Like, you see people on the absolute worst days of their lives. For some, maybe they're pastors. You've seen them a lot, and they've had a lot of those worst days of their lives. But you see people on the absolute worst days of their lives. 
Like, I, I could never do that. It sounds miserable. I could never do your job. And you know what he, he said? He said, well, I could never do your job. Like, what? What do you mean? He said, well, your job is to help people put the pieces back together. I heard that. I'm like, man, that's good. I like that. That makes me feel great. I was puffing my chest out. I was like going to put that on my resume. My job is to help people put the pieces of their life back together. Then I realized like it took me like years. I'm like, that was stupid. Because it's not just my job to help people put the pieces of their life back together. It's all our jobs. Like you could, no, 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 not you could. You should do my job. And help people put the pieces of their lives back together. Sharing the table means sharing life. And sharing life means sharing good days and the bad ones too. The text continues in verse 16. For I tell you now that I won't eat this meal again until its meaning is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Then he took a cup of wine and gave thanks to God for it. Then he said, take this and share it among yourselves. For I will not drink again of the wine until the kingdom of God has come. He took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and gave it to the disciples saying, this is my body. Which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. After supper, he took another cup of wine and said, This cup is the new covenant between God and his people. An agreement confirmed with my blood, which is poured out as a sacrifice for you. Life uh, happens at the table, whether it's catching up with old friends or a job interview. Maybe it's a, a mafia murder for hire, or maybe it's just a defining the relationship. Life happens at the table, but at the king's table, true life happens. We see what seems to be like some sort of magic trick that Jesus is doing. We've got a cup of wine, we've got some bread, we're breaking it up, giving it to the disciples. You know, this, this, this wine represents my, my blood of the covenant, and it's a relationship between God and humans that is going to be new. But Jesus... His body will be pierced. His blood will be shed. And that's what this is remembering. His body pierced and his blood shed for people who are enslaved. For people who are not free. For people who uh, cannot save themselves. Oh, where have we heard that before? Oh yeah, back in Egypt. The people were enslaved. The people were not free. They could not save themselves. Oh, makes sense, right? Jesus is the Passover lamb. Jesus is the embodiment, the fulfillment, the life of the exodus. That which sets us free. And we see it here at the table that sharing the table means sharing life. Not just sharing good days, but the bad days too. And sharing the table also means entering into deeper relationship. 
But here at this table, verse 21 says, Sitting among us as a friend is the man who will betray me. For it has been determined that the Son of Man, that is Jesus, must die. But what sorrow awaits the one who betrays him. The disciples began to ask each other, which of them would ever do such a thing? Life happens at the table, the good, the bad, and the ugly. But if sharing the table means sharing life, the good days and bad, the the bummer part about it all is you don't always get to pick who sits at the table. But Jesus does. Jesus certainly does here. He intentionally chooses who sits at the table. And who is sitting at the table, sharing the table and sharing life, sharing the good days and bad? The one who will betray him. The one who will betray him. Now that takes a lot of nerve. That takes a great deal of love and a higher understanding of things. Verse 24 says, Then they began to argue among themselves about who would be the greatest among them. And just like that, it gets ugly and uglier. First, we've got them trying to figure out who's going to betray. And then it's the talk about, well, who's, who's the greatest among us? Well, Jesus puts an end to it and quickly redefines their idea of greatness. Jesus told them, in this world, the kings and great men lord it over their people, yet they are called, or they like to call themselves, friends of the people. But among you, it will be different. But among you, it will be different. Those who are the greatest among you should take the lowest rank, and the leader should be like a servant. Who is more important, the one who sits at the table or the one who serves? The one who sits at the table, of course, but not here. For I am among you as one who serves. Greatness redefined, serving. You have stayed with me in my time of trial. And just as my Father has granted me a kingdom, I now grant you the right to eat and drink at my table, in my kingdom. And you will sit on thrones judging the twelve tribes of Israel. You know, we just uh, transitioned our two-year-old uh, out of a, a high chair. It was just kind of a spur-of-the-moment decision. He uh, was just always at the table anyways. And we figured, hey, why don't we just get him a, a table of his own that's a little safer. The fall is going to be a lot uh, shorter. And uh, so he's borrowing his good buddy Sawyer's little tykes table and chairs. And some uh, a plastic blue table and two 15 and a half inch green plastic chairs. He was thrilled. Immediately, within 30 seconds, he's sitting there at the table like some big kid. And uh, the coolest part is that, you know, he started moving the, the chairs and table around 
trying to position it in a new spot. To, the other, yesterday, he was like throwing the chairs. We're like, no, 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 don't do that. You put them in the fireplace. We're like, no, 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 don't do it. Let's leave the chairs and everything here. But the, the, the most, I don't know, the most powerful thing is uh, when he invites me to his table. The most uh, profound thing about him inviting me to his table is that he'll bounce his finger on the empty green plastic chair. And he'll tell me to sit. But the funniest part is that uh, he adds an H to that word. I'm in the kitchen doing something. And he looks up at me with wide eyes and a big grin. Sheet, 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 sheet. And you know, that's the way I pictured Jesus inviting us in, minus the age. Just that eagerness, like, come and sit, come and share my table. Come and share my life. I want to share with you your good days and your bad days. I want you to come in, enter in. And when I hear that, Jesus inviting me to his table, inviting me deeper into his life, I realize I'm overwhelmed. I'm overwhelmed at the invitation and the acceptance and the forgiveness and the love. And I realize, like, I'm the guy arguing about who's the greatest. I'm the one they're trying to find out. Uh, yeah, it, it's me who's going to betray. And he has defeated me in my rebellion. He's conquered me in my sin. He has welcomed us into his presence. He has
remember the body of his broken blood that was shed, the saving activity of God, we can go back to Passover and see it. We can go back to Egypt and see it. We can go right here, right now. showing us that we need to serve, that we need to love, that we have no place at your table, but you have invited us and welcomed us completely entering 